Set Review, your favorite podcast for movies, comics, and culture. I'm your host, Anthony. Oh, sorry. That, uh, the beer splooged the beer on the table. Sorry about that. Yeah. I'm Matt. <laughs> uh, we have an exciting episode. Tonight's episode, we are talking all things Eternals. Yeah, we just got back from the theater, and yeah. uh, boy, do we have some thoughts. Yeah, we have thoughts. That's sure... We sure do. We sure do. <laughs> so, um, man... Wow, where where do we get started? So let's 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 just go from the from the from the very top. It, last last episode, we talked about how we had some reservations about this movie. We did um, the some of the reservations turned out to be true. Some not as much. Yeah, not as much. Yeah. Um, overall, uh, this movie was it wasn't bad, but it certainly wasn't good either. So, as of right now, now everyone always looks at Rotten Tomato scores. Right. I happen to be a big fan of the IMDb score. Yeah, I like the IMDb score too. It's a user score. Yeah. Right now, this movie has a 6.9 out of 10. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Nice. <laughs> and actually, to be honest with you, that's pretty much the score that I would have given yeah, it. I, I, I would have put it right at a 7. Uh, out of 10, it's it's not great. So um, this was by Chloe Zhao. Um, Chloe Zhao is uh, the director of... Um, she's done Songs of My Brother. She, she did, did Nomadland, didn't she? Yeah, uh, she did. She yeah. also did uh, The Rider. And she's, she's sort of a, a newer director um, who's done a lot of smaller things. This is really her big, you know, kind of bigger... You know, kind of coming out party in terms of a a larger budget mainstream movie. Yeah, and I know that she is in discussions to direct a potential uh, Star Wars film in the future. And, um, yeah, I mean, just in terms of the directing, uh, I got to be honest, it was probably one of the things that I didn't love about this movie. I I thought that the pacing was a little off. I thought it dragged uh, quite a few different times in the movie. I thought that the storytelling itself was very convoluted. Um, and it just ended up giving us a movie that was very... It wasn't bad. See, that's the thing. Yeah. Like, I don't want to bash this movie because it really wasn't a bad movie. Like, was I... Am I happy that I spent the 10 bucks or 11 bucks, whatever it was, the, to get the ticket and go see it in a big screen? You know, I, I am. I don't care. Like, it was a fun time at the, the, the theater. At the same time, is it anything I'm going to watch again on Disney Plus? Or would I rewatch it as a part of, you know, a Marvel movie marathon? I probably wouldn't. This would probably be one of the movies that I left out, very similar to Thor The Dark World. Yeah, I, I place... All of the blame for things I dislike about this movie purely on the director because the 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 acting there are some good actors in this movie, right? There's some good actors in this movie. Uh Selma Hayek, yeah. Kit Harrington, right? Yep. Like great actors and Everybody in this movie, with the exception of uh uh fuck, what's Icarus's real name? Uh, Richard uh, Madden. Yeah, Richard Madden, yeah, right? Yeah, Richard Madden. 
almost everybody in this movie, with the exception of him and possibly the person that plays Cersei, um, really felt like they were kind of phoning it in a little bit. Selma Hayek, in particular, felt like she was phoning this performance in. Um, Angelina Jolie kind of always feels like she's phoning her performance in because I don't think she's that great of an actress to begin with. Um, Yeah. But yeah, the a lot of the pacing, a lot of the way the storytelling was framed, I, I, I place a lot of the issues I have with this movie on the director because when you when you really look at the overall story, the overall story is actually kind of cool. So let's talk about this because this takes a it takes an element of uh, what I would call sort of a not a forgotten corner of the Marvel universe, but Something that doesn't get as much attention as I think that it's due because it does come from a more or less non-canon story. And what I'm talking about is the um, the absolutely brilliant storyline of uh, Universe X, Earth X, and Paradise X, right? Yeah. Which is a three-part yeah. Like epic storyline, yeah, like, right? Uh, drawn by Alex Ross, yep, which that, is just incredible. Yeah, that takes well, not all of it, but yeah, but I, I, a lot of the covers. Yeah. Like, anyway, it, it takes place entirely outside of Marvel canon, and, and what the storyline does is it, it tells a story of an alternative future timeline of the Marvel universe. And it all begins in Earth X. And the storyline told in Earth X all revolves around the Celestials and their the concept of how the Celestials survive. And you learn in the story, in that story arc, that the way the Celestials survive is by um, placing their eggs inside of planets and the eggs gestate inside of the planet when the celestial is born the planet dies and you find out that that's why galactus originally came to earth all those years ago back in the 60s when we first find galactus galactus's purpose in the world is to stop celestials from being born and one of the things that he does when he devours a planet he's doing that not just to get energy for himself but also to kill the celestial seed inside and what the celestials do when they go from planet to planet they Uh, use their abilities to empower the native species of the Earth to protect them from foreign threats to allow the celestial to gestate inside the planet and then go and destroy. So you eventually find out that that is the Eternal's purpose in this movie. But they change it a little bit with the Deviants, right? So they're protecting the planet from the deviants so that humanity can populate the planet and or whatever the native species can populate the planet and their energy gives birth to the celestial when they reach peach uh, peak critical mass whatever that's how the celestial is born right and it's all based off of the the amount of people that they have on the planet so because now we have reached a population of you know so many billion people that it is now something where there's enough energy on the planet to be able to bring forth life to the yep. celestial, which I forget the name. Was it Timit? Telemet, uh, t- t- something like that. Yeah, yeah, Telemet. Telemet. Yeah. yeah, something. That like was the that. one that was being born. Yeah. Um. And uh. So 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 the one thing. I, so the the first concession that I will make is that 
one of the things that we had talked about um, that I was going into this movie was like, this is going to be stupid, was I was like, you have to explain to me, you, Marvel, have to explain to me why the Eternals have been chilling on Earth for thousands of years and ignore the involvement of Thanos. Like, why are the Deviants such a bigger threat than Thanos? And I will say they did a good job explaining that. Because, I, I would agree with that. Yeah. I would agree that they did a, they did a, an adequate job of explaining it. It was it, Because it wasn't that the Deviants are a threat to the universe. It was the Deviants are a threat to just Earth so that to prevent the Celestial from being born. Like, that was what the Eternals were placed there for. So I'll give them that. Right, they, and they the Deviants had been gone for... Right. Thousands and thousands of years on right. Earth, right? So, but I do have to admit, though, that as well as they did that, they still fucked it up because they tried to address it. There was that one throwaway line where oh. Kit Harrington's character was like, "Where were you guys when Thanos?" You know, and she even said, "Cersei was like, well, well Thanos- it delayed, it delayed the exactly." Birth. So that actually, I actually liked that, right? Because it actually explained like why they wouldn't have interfered with Thanos because, yeah. Great. Thanos is coming to, you know, get rid of half of the people. Great. It's going to take longer for this celestial to be born. Except for the fact that they didn't fucking know. Exactly. <laughs> they, so, they didn't know yep. that the, the whole point of their being on the planet was to protect this celestial that was being right. born inside the planet. Because by they the logic. No idea. Because by the logic of the movie, the celestials get to power to be born by the number of people that are on the planet. So by allowing Thanos to literally wipe out half of all existence across all planets where other celestials are gestating, that is counterintuitive to their purpose as Eternals. Yeah. They want more people. So by allowing Thanos to wipe out half of all people everywhere, that, like, it just, so like, they, they tried to make it work, and then it didn't work. Yeah. <laughs> no... No, it it didn't. It yeah. didn't. You know, and we, we said this last week. We said that it looked from a trailer perspective that it seemed more like a DC movie than it did a Marvel movie. Yeah. And that's exactly what it was. If you talk about the visuals, the action scenes, getting a chance to see your favorite superpowers brought to screen, all of those things were very, very cool. All of those things happened. All of those things were the highlights of the movie. The acting, the music, the the plot, the pacing, the storyline, all of those things were the things that fell flat. So let's you let's know? let's talk about the before I forget about it because you mentioned it, um the the music. This is not something that we tend to to harp on when it comes to movies because it's one of those things where when a movie is being scored, right? There's usually two two ways to kind of approach it. Right. The first way is, you know, the the kind of preferred way where you actually notice how good the score is and you're like, oh man, the movie has been like perfectly scored. Yeah. The music works in these scenes, yeah. right? Or, you know, what a lot of movies are scored in a way where it's not mind-blowing, but it's good enough that it makes the movie work. It f keeps up with the pacing and the tone so that you don't really notice too much about how good the score is, but because it works well, yeah. you, you don't really think about it. Yeah. This movie is a rare instance where the score is so poor that it actually is noticeable in the movie and it detracts from the overall pacing and directing of the movie because yep. the score just, for the most part, 
doesn't really fit with the movie. Ah, very similar to a Zack Snyder film. Yeah. Zack Snyder does that all the time with his movies where the music doesn't match the scene and it just takes you out of it and it really, you know, it's, uh, it was, it was a bit frustrating and... I mean, coming from Marvel, who have had movies with just incredible soundtracks and incredible music. I mean, even like Avengers Endgame had yeah. epic music, and and it was great. Um, of course, Guardians of the Galaxy. Of course, Iron Man. Even the Captain America and Thor movies were all great. They were scored well, right? Even Black Panther. Black Panther as well was scored really, really well. Yeah. This movie really fell flat. It it really, to be honest with you, based on everything that we've seen recently, all of the shows and everything else, this felt like more like a show than a major motion picture. Yeah, it was. It it it, it especially felt towards the end, like you know, we I, we've talked a lot about um, the the Arrowverse and the shows in the CW, right? For sure. And the the world building. And the character development and the stories they tell across all of those shows are honestly genius and brilliant for the most part. But all of those shows, especially The Flash, constantly fall victim to the, you know, the science lingo, you know, the, oh, we got to reverse the flux capacitor polarity to get the, <laughs> you know. And the, and this movie really did that at the end when they yeah. were trying to figure out how they're going to beat the Celestials. And Fastos was like, oh, okay, well, if I just take this and I combine it with this and combine all of our powers with that and create the Unimind, that's how we're going to beat the Celestial. And it's just like, he just has like this epiphany. It's like, bam, that's how we're going to do it because they spend all this time talking about how like, oh no, there's no way we can stop a Celestial from being born. It's a fucking Celestial. What are you, what are you talking about? Yeah. And he's like, oh wait, if I just do this like literal one thing that nobody's ever thought of over millions of years, yeah, that's how we're going to do on it. On any like, planet, <laughs> on anywhere, yeah. like the only planet person to create it now okay granted he's the inventor right he's the right. guy who like he's the forge creates, yeah he's he creates things and that's cool um but it wasn't really him it was just sort of this hey how do we captain planet our way out of this yeah. storyline it was and very it, it deus really, ex machina yeah it really felt like they were just it, it felt like they started they, – they wrote the story wrong. They started at the beginning and then couldn't figure out how to – like, yeah. and then they wrote the end and then couldn't figure out how to put it together, right? Instead of working from the end and working backwards, right? So it it really felt very uh, – it, it felt very forced. It felt very just paint by numbers. And yeah. It just – Again, was it fun? Sure. Was it something I I mean, personally, if I was going to watch it, I'd probably wait for it to come on TV, you know, and yeah, come totally. on streaming. Yeah, and know? it was and, and and you know, so so more on the story part too, like and again, this is going back to the blame I place on the on the director, right? So the big quote-unquote twist, right, in the movie was that Icarus is actually kind of a bad guy. So the whole thing is that they find out, you know, um, Spoiler so, alert. yeah, Selma Hayek's character, um, she's the only one that knows the Eternals' true purpose because she's the only one that gets to talk to the Celestial. And throughout this entire time, they've been going through and like killing all these planets, unbeknownst to them, and having their memories wiped and stored and blah 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 blah. So then you get to the point where you find out that Icarus is kind of a bad guy because he also has known about this and he supports the destruction of a planet in order to birth a celestial. Now, right. 
that is a cool plot element, right? Having him kind of be the bad guy, and he ends yeah. up really kind of turning against his fellow Eternals, and there's a big fight scene at the end, right? Couldn't agree more. And if they just went with that plot element throughout the entire movie and really focused their time on that, it would have been a much better movie. But what they did instead was they did that. They X-Men 3'd it. They yeah. did that, yeah. but also gave us this storyline where the deviants are now like self-aware, like fucking Skynet, going around and absorbing the Eternals' powers when it kills them and getting their own consciousness to the point where they can speak and are like, oh, you've, you know, you've destroyed my race over hundreds or thousands of years and blah, blah, blah. Now I'm coming to get revenge on you. And so it's either it's one or the other. You you yeah. can't have both because when you when you mash both of those antagonists together, it makes for a very muddled story and a very confusing and stupid story. It should have been one or the other. My preference yeah. would have been Icarus all the way. Yeah, I I agree with that. Um, you know, and one of the the aspects that I thought would have been cool is rather than bringing back the deviants because they they did a good job. They they did give a throwaway line of dialogue where they're like. You know, oh, which we always talk about, all you need is one line of dialogue. So they did it. They had it. Oh, they evolve when, and that's why I created the Eternals so that they wouldn't evolve. So cool. Okay. So you know, you know that, the, yes, I know. So you know that the deviants. you know where you're going with this. <laughs> you know that the deviants are going to evolve, right? So, so, all right. So if the deviants are going to evolve, Right, and you're going to have this storyline that all of the deviants were killed off. Why not wait to bring back all of the deviants with Icarus killing everyone? So it, I think that the story would have been a much better story if all of a sudden the Eternals were just getting picked off one by one, and all of a sudden they're getting murdered, and they're like, who is killing the Eternals? And they're like, is it the Avengers? Is it Thanos? And they're like trying to figure it out. And then all of a sudden you find out that it's Icarus and Icarus has brought back the Deviants. Like he yeah. is the one who did it, you know, in order to protect the Celestial right. in order to be born. Yeah, that could have been such a better, like, make it a mystery almost, where, you know, because they make a big point of talking about how the Eternals kind of split up, for lack of a better term, you know, thousands of years ago, and they've all kind of living out their lives on Earth, yeah. and a big plot point is them coming back together, Right. but it would have been such a cooler mystery to have them, yeah, like, like you get introduced to these characters, and they're suddenly dying, right, and it's like they're picking yeah. they're picking people up, it's, it's almost kind of like, I don't know why this is the only example that I can, that I can think about right now but the movie red right yeah with the, the old retired cia and all of a sudden yeah. people are coming after them now even Great though they've movie. been out of the game yeah. right and what's the mystery behind that why are all we all, all of a sudden going after them right now like that would have been great because, like, you know, Icarus finds out that uh, Selma Hayek's character, whose name I'm already forgetting because the movie was so forgettable, um, you know. Ajax. Ajax, thank you. Yeah. Icarus finds out that Ajax is trying to stop the celestial birth, so he then starts going around killing the rest of the Eternals to allow the. That, that would have been such a would better have been way story. Way better. And, it, like, his turn, like, him being the bad guy would have been better. Yeah. It would have been. It would have just been a cooler story. But. Or let's take it the other way though let's take it let's take it where Icarus stays 
a good guy the entire time and they stick with the deviant story, right? That too would have been a better story where you still have some of the Eternals getting killed, you have that deviant absorbing their powers, but it's because the deviant has become kind of like self-aware or whatever and it's like, hey, I'm not going to be a pawn in your cosmic game anymore to just use me to wipe out planets or whatever. I want to live my own life, me and my species that you, the Celestials, created, so I'm going to kill your little lackeys to allow my my species to survive. That is also a cool storyline. Yeah, it was too it was too convoluted, right? Yeah. You need to keep a clear direction. Who is the good guy? Who is the bad guy? Right? And like I get it. That's not the way that it is in the real world, right? In the real world, right? The, the lines are blur blurred and there's gray areas in life. Yeah. Great. In the real world, we don't have superpowers, right? <laughs> so I don't go to a movie like, I don't go to a superhero movie to see the real world. Like, that's not what my intent is to go see a superhero movie. Yeah. Right? Like, I, like if you're going to tell a story, make it a story. Like, it's okay to be straightforward. It There was just so many different, like, little twists and turns that happened in the movie that were just not important. But they were important to the story and when they happen on screen, you just don't care. Well, let's talk about the biggest example of that. The most egregious example of that is when Sprite, um, when you when Icarus does his heel turn and Sprite decides that she's yeah. going to go with him. Wow. And, you know, and at first you're like, okay, like, you know, maybe Sprite, you know. But then they like, they have to, it's one of those things, show don't tell. They, when that happens, all the characters are sitting around going, oh, why did Sprite just go fly away with Icarus? And they're like, oh, didn't you know that she's in love with Icarus? And then you're like, wait, what? Like, when have we seen that in the previous two hours of this movie? What do you mean she's in yeah, love with there Icarus? Was, there like, was a couple throwaway lines because when he talked to her like she was Tinkerbell, he's like, oh, we're like Peter Pan and the Lost yeah, Boys. But like they're ridiculous throwaway lines, though. And, but it makes But there's nothing shown up until that point that actually makes you feel that they're like Icarus Icarus and Sprite have like four scenes together before that like it's all about Icarus and fucking Cersei right yeah like there's no real connection there like so when that happens and when when Sprite stabs Cersei is like you know I'm here defending Icarus it just it, it's meant to be a very emotional scene and it does not feel that way at all and again goes back yeah. to me blaming the director I, I blame the director for that because that could have been done in a much better way and it just wasn't no it really wasn't and then the question is she stabbed Cersei. She tried to kill her. She literally tried to stab her. And then they're just cool with her. Yeah, at the all end. is forgiven like, at the all, end. Like literally like no lines of dialogue. <laughs> like they're just cool. She's just there. Like Icarus flies off and literally does a fucking header into the sun. That was so dumb. <laughs> that was so stupid. So bad. Because like, it felt oh my god, that and that that was one of the flattest feeling moments ever. Yeah. Like you're meant to believe that Icarus is now all of a sudden, like, repentant over what he's done. And he literally just goes, I'm sorry. And Cersei's like, yeah, I know. And then he just flies into the fucking sun. And he just flies himself it. into the sun. That was, like, such a Zack Snyder moment. Yeah. Like, we're supposed to feel something here? Oh, like, man. fucking come on. And the, no, like, even solar flare or anything. Yeah, like he just... 
Like, I could understand that. Maybe he flies into the sun, and then there's a solar flare, and then that takes energy away from the planet. I don't know. Yeah. Something like that. Or if they had even done it, like, because at the end, he, you know, he becomes, Icarus becomes an unwilling participant in this Unimind bullshit, (laughs) right? Unimind. Even if they had just made him have, go revert from the heel turn back to a face turn and have him decide at the last minute that he's going to support the rest of the Eternals in combining with the Unimind, even that would have made his him killing himself better because then he's already kind of repented by helping them. And then he's like, no, it's still not enough. I still need to repent further. But no, he was an unwilling participant in the Unimind that stops the slush from being born. And then he's like, ah, fuck it. I'm going to go kill myself. Like, yeah. <laughs> he's just, so just dumb. see ya. I'm off uh, to just go fly into the sun. But we didn't see him die. So maybe he's just absorbing the power from the sun. I don't know. That could be a storyline later. Yeah. Who, who knows? Who knows? Like, who knows? And it, it is cool that they can bring him back. But, like, now the question is, right? Because they're never supposed to age. So why is Sprite a child? Why is Sprite kept as a child in child form? Why is why is is Icarus in his, like, late 30s, right? So like, why? Like, so that's an interesting point. Because how much are they allowed to age? Or are they just created to be in those forms? Exactly. So they're just created to be in those forms. They talk about that when Cersei is meeting with the Celestial and he's like, I made you in these forms or whatever. But this comes to another like really dumb fucking plot point, right? So they, and again, they explain it to you and it still doesn't make any sense. The Celestial goes to Cersei. He goes, yeah, so I created these deviants to like help wipe out, you know, like the pop, like, or keep the populations or whatever, like protect them so that the celestial eggs can be born. But the deviants ended up like, you know, getting sentient and turning against me. So then I said, fuck it. Now I'm going to create something that is incapable of any sort of sentient life so that it will never turn against me. So I created the Eternals. And then, oh, oh wait, 10 million years later, fuck me. The Eternals turned against me anyway. So like, it just doesn't make yeah, any fucking sense. It doesn't like, make any it's so, sense whatsoever. He said, he specifically said, I created them so that they wouldn't turn against me. I put fail safes in place. But it fucking happened anyway. Like, yeah. so either you're just really bad at creating things or like. Yeah, it really doesn't speak to the celestial's yeah. ability to like create things. He's like, well, yeah. you know, he, I kind of did this. He seems just like a guy. Like, yeah. he, he needs a like better this, quality control department. He's just like, kind of like an alcoholic creator. He's like, dude, I, you know, I tried to create this and there were these guys, these tendrils, and they were cool, deviants, yeah. yeah. He's no, like, they didn't work. So then I was like, oh, I'm going to create, like, Eternals. You know, like, when Family Guy, like, like, like oh, has Jesus and God? Like, those characters, <laughs> like, they're just, like, drunk, high idiots. Like, that was the Celestials. That's like, uh, really yeah, kind <laughs> of what it felt like. Like, especially when he's explaining that he failed. Yes. Like, you're literally a god. You're not supposed to, like, you don't fail. Like, yeah. <laughs> you have been around for billions of years. Yeah. You're a fucking celestial. You don't fail. Like, that's not, like, why does that, like, it, it just makes, it makes the celestials look so weak. Right. Like, why is there the, failure at all? And and the fact that, and, and this is where they fuck up the story, right? The fact that at the end of the movie, one of the final scenes, the celestial shows up pissed off because they prevented the birth of the other celestial and he's like yo i'm gonna fuck your day up at some point not not right now i'm gonna come back i'm gonna fuck your day up. i'm gonna let the humans live but i'm gonna come back i'm gonna fuck you up at some point right 
It just goes like if the Celestials, the reason it works in the comic books is because the Celestials in the comic books, they always explain how the Celestials are like, they're so powerful and so just up their own asses that they just don't care. They they plant their fucking egg in a planet and they empower the native and they just let yeah. it go because they know it's all going to work out. Yeah. These Celestials in this movie are active participants in this process and there's no way that this Celestial wouldn't have come down and be like, oh, hey, no, 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 you're trying to stop the birth? I'm going to smack you the fuck down. He could have done that at any point based on what we were shown in the movie. He just chose not to. So the yeah. character doesn't make any sense. It makes no sense at all. Like, why wouldn't he come in when they're, hey, trying to stop your other yeah. Celestial from being... If you can bamf there... Exactly. Immediately after the Celestial gets turned to marble, couldn't you have done it maybe an hour before and just been like... Yeah. Like, And then when he captures them, he takes them, he's like, oh... I'm going to study your memories to determine yeah. whether or not I should destroy this planet or not. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you, you had a baby egg in that planet. You no longer have a baby egg in that planet. Why would you keep the planet? Right. It doesn't mean anything to you. Right. There's billions of others that you can go to. It's just another planet. Makes no sense whatsoever. And then the <laughs> fact that, like, I'm sorry, but the very fact that A, S.H.I.E.L.D., B, none of the fucking Avengers showed up at all, like, it's just, it's one of those things when you're, you can't have a world-ending villain, like, the way that it was. Like, if they had had to deal with Icarus and the Deviants, and it got to the point where it was just about time for the celestial to harvest, but it's still on the inside of the earth, would have been way better. Yes, yeah, would have been way better because you because otherwise you have this problem of continuity where you're like, well, where is everyone else? Where is where? Well, Thor is off world. Where's Scarlet Witch? She's just doing her own thing and not paying attention to the giant celestial that's going to blow up the entire place that she loves and lives on, <laughs> like. Come on. <laughs> See, I'm I'm willing to forgive that element of it only because the there really is nothing world ending leading up to the world ending event until it actually happens. So it can stand to reason that it's like by the time shit is actually going down and they do seem to be in a pretty remote part of the planet. If anybody seems to notice it, it's going to take them a while to get there. So I'm willing to forgive that to an extent. But at the same time, so many other like like I, I guess my my point is like that wasn't even the thing that annoyed me the most about the movie. Like I get what you're saying, yeah. But that wasn't even the thing that bothered me the most. There were so many other things that just like again, it's it's one of those things where it reminded me a lot of Amazing Spider-Man Two, the Andrew Garfield movie, right? Yes. Amazing Spider-Man Two could have been. And should have been a truly great movie. Had all the components But there. because they s tried to stuff too much shit into it, yep. it ended up just all falling flat. And that's how I feel about this movie. There is a truly great movie in The Eternals. But because they tried to do too much for God knows what fucking reason... It all just fell flat because yeah, it's the, too much story yeah, to tell. Because the Marvel movies haven't done this really ever. The no. only time they tell this much story is in a movie like Endgame or Infinity War, 
but it always works because there was 13 other movies leading up to it. There was nothing leading up to this, and you're just thrown in to these characters. And I will say, I do have to give them credit. One of the other things that I said they were going to fuck up, which they actually did pretty well, was to to give each character their own kind of individual story, story yeah, and personality. They, 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 did they actually did do well. that well. I, yeah. I really didn't think they were going to, but they actually did do that well. Yeah. Um, but unfortunately, again, it you know when you're doing that, it you need to leave space for a villain. And this goes back to what we were saying before. That's what they didn't do because they tried to give you two villains. And you can only – when you have that many main characters that you're trying to develop, there's only space for one villain. Yeah. And it makes it – and again, it make, the more I say it, the angrier I get the fact that they didn't just go with the Icarus villain plot the whole time and just say fuck it to the Deviants because that would have been a truly amazing movie. Whatever happened to the final Deviant, too? I don't remember, like, a final major battle with him. Oh, Thena cut him in half, remember? Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. she just... It, yeah, that's right. He was absorbing her, and then she right. cut him Yeah, she pieces. did. She generated right. her weapons. It's like... Yeah, which yeah. was... Eh. But could, he, could he have not regenerated from that? Like, how how intense yeah. were his regeneration yeah, like, did, powers? I was going to say, he had regeneration powers. Like he can't Maybe not that much. Like, yeah, not he's Deadpool not like Deadpool level yeah. or Wolverine level. <laughs> like, can't get ripped in half and then, like, grow a bottom half. You know? Yeah. It was just it was just weird. And then... Very. And then the other thing, too, that, you know, they, they obviously sort of rectified it with the after-after credit scene, but... The the Dane Whitman character, who we all know is the Black Knight in the comic books. Yeah, Kit Harrington. He he was in it for like four scenes. Yeah, and then he's he was just, a very throwaway character. He's just forgotten about. Yeah, he's I, just, th- they, I feel like this movie was just used to introduce him. Yeah, yeah. and it's like, and, and, and again, it's like, I, I was really hoping that they would have played on his character a little bit more. And actually had him become the Black Knight as part of the final fight scene to, like, help Cersei. Like, that would have been cool because, like, you know, there's that really cool scene at the beginning of the movie where Cersei gives him that ring and it's got the crest on it, which yep. is the same crest. And he's like, oh, that's this on has got to be from yeah. the Middle Ages. Dude, like, the crest oh. on that ring is the same emblem that's on the comic book character's chest, the, the horse, yeah. like, whatever. And, like, so that's foreshadowing it, obviously. And then they just completely abandon his character until the, the end of the movie when everything has already been resolved yeah. and he's like oh yeah it turns out my uh family's got a pretty complicated history and you're yeah. like okay like what is you know yeah. like it just again and i blame that on the director that that's not a storytelling issue that's a director issue the way she handled that scene did not work and i've got to say this is very contrary now the after credit scenes are usually in marvel movies they're a bonus. They're yeah, a highlight. nice to have. Yeah. They're a highlight. The after credit scenes in this movie were <laughs> way better than the entire movie. They really were. They, they both of them were. Yeah, right? they really were. And, and again, I think that this entire movie was simply used to just introduce characters. Yes. And if that was its intent, if that was the intent to the greater, to the whole of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, fine. It did its job. It did its job. It's it's not a great movie. It's nothing that you want to go back and rewatch, but did it properly introduce characters that we are going to see again in the future? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, because the So let's talk about the after credit scenes. Spoiler alert. Yeah. The first after credit scene is 
great because fucking they're on their they're on their ship. It's it's Thena and uh, the 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 speedster and Ezra Miller light. Yeah, and they are they're just chilling on the ship, wondering where the rest of the Eternals are. And then boom, a little portal opens, and fucking Pip the troll comes rolling out yeah. like. <laughs> who I'm pretty sure that was Patton Oswalt's voice, right? That was I definitely Patton Oswalt. I, I think right? it was Patton Oswalt, yeah. yeah. Um, obviously, all, all CGI character, but I'm pretty sure it was Patton Oswalt's voice. And man, just what a great choice to play Pip the Troll. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I, I couldn't agree more. I, I think it was I think it was a, a great character. Again, like this brings me back to the reason why I first ever got excited about Marvel films, and that was seeing my favorite characters brought to screen and getting a chance to see Pip the Troll on screen, so live good. action. That's so such a, a weird, random, like you would never have Pip the Troll unless you've already had 18 other movies and series and everything right. else that have already happened in the Marvel Cinematic. Like, you would never, ever get that. So the 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 12 year old Anthony you know who you know was reading comic books every day and you know playing with action figures and everything else would have absolutely gone crazy over this yeah. would absolutely have loved this but because Pip, Pip the Troll was, I'm not going to lie, there was definitely a part of me. because very know, cool. Pip the Troll in the comic books was like, you know, OG Infinity Watch, right? With Gamora and old school Drax, right? And so I, when, the, when, that, when that shadowy figure followed Pip, right? And you can see he kind of looked like he had a cape on. There was a part of me for a brief moment I was like, please be fucking Adam Warlock. Please be Adam Warlock. That's who I thought it was going to be right. as well. And then, but the, who because it was, Adam Warlock has already been introduced right. in Guardians of the Galaxy two that they've never done anything with right. yet. We'll probably see him in three, I'm sure, at yeah. this point. But the character they did introduce was also cool. It was fucking Star Fox, yeah, which was very cool. Yeah. Played played by play, fucking Harry Styles yeah, of all Harry people. Styles. Like talk about yeah. did not see that coming, but probably a cool casting choice because Star Fox has yeah. always been kind of like the laughing stock of the Eternals because his power is to, like, I don't know, make you jizz your pants so you, like, feel better about yourself or whatever. Yeah, he's, like, He has, like, love powers. Yeah, he's got got that super uh, pheromone power. Yeah, exactly. Almost like Dakin has. Exactly. Or, like, like Wonder Wonder Woman, Spider Woman's powers. Like, Jessica Drew, she releases those pheromones, you know, right? Um, But, like... Like, yeah, just what a perfect cat. Just this, like, pretty boy, like, fuck you. I want to punch you in your pretty boy face. Like, like it's such a good casting choice. And he even like, he has this, like, smugness about him. Oh, like so smug. I loved it. I, I like it. it I really like I it. it I really perfect. like it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, great. Probably one of the best scenes in the entire movie. Was yeah, no, that, no, the best. Yeah, that was yeah, the best scene yeah. in the entire movie. Yeah. yeah. And then the second after credit scene. The second after credit scene was, you know, Kit Harrington, the Black Knight, realizing that he has Excalibur and is going to touch or pick up the sword. But again, even this scene was like, again, it felt very DC because it was was just so so convenient forced. Yeah, it was so convenient. All of a sudden we just were in his like office or whatever. And he's got this giant fucking box um, on his table. And you're like, at no point in any part of the movie leading up to that do they explain 
where this box came from, why he has it in his office, why he thinks he needs to open it, why is he drawn to it. He's just, you just get thrown into this scene. Hey, here's this box. Okay, I'm going to open it. And like Black Knight, I'm sorry, but he is so obscure of a character that they try and make it feel like a big deal. Like the fact that he's there. But the fact that like, it's just not... Like, he's not a big character. No, he's not. It's not like, oh, my God, it's the Black Knight. Like, it doesn't give you the same feeling as, like, the first time you saw Captain America on screen or Iron Man or anyone else. I mean, if you're you're one of those, like, weirdos who liked Marvel comics in the 90s that wasn't X-Men or Spider-Man, you actually read Avengers titles where Black Knight was a prominent member of the 90s Avengers team, you maybe got very excited about it, but... Of all the people I know that are comic book fans, and I know quite a few, nobody is a fan of 90s Avengers. You're you're just not. <laughs> like. It's the same thing as the 90s Justice League. Yeah. Remember when it was just like Booster Gold and Blue Beetle, Fire and Ice, and like Guy Gardner with a yellow ring? Oh god. And it was like And he had like the like the the like the, the Canadian tuxedo with like the vest and the yeah. brown boots. Like it's just not so cool. fucking weird. Yeah, man. It was just not good. It's just like so obscure. It's like, hey, here's something we want to do no like why like kit harrington is a cool actor and the fact that they're making him like yeah i get it game of thrones cool like he took the black in game of thrones and like cool he's gonna be the black knight he's gonna have a sword that is very similar to Longclaw. it literally looked like they took the prop from like Longclaw and just added some material to the hilt And it, listen, it, was, it, was, it looked exactly the same. And listen, you know, Marvel has earned enough uh, clout and respect yeah, they, they have to earned throw the a character like Black Knight in there and just be like, you know, just let me let me work my magic. I promise you it'll be okay. Yep. You know, so, but yes, the way he was introduced was just like, come on. He's like, just what? not that cool of a character. <laughs> There's so many cooler characters you could do. Why Black Knight? Like, like I was half hoping that he would touch the sword and he would get like a very 90s style Black Knight outfit I know, me with too. like a really shitty helmet. And like, yeah. I, wanted, I was hoping like for the full like knight armor. And I wanted to be like He-Man where he grabs the sword and he transforms. Oh, I have the power you know, of like, oh, you know, like, so cool. But the other, yeah. the only cool thing the other cool thing about that scene, though, is that you hear a voice off screen, and you know, I I can't be one hundred percent certain, but I'm fairly certain it's Kang. Yes, Loki. It, it, I'm not it, Loki. I'm sorry, uh, Kang and Mortis. Mortis. You know, yes. Yeah. The yeah. voice sounded like uh, like uh, fuck. What is Jonathan Jonathan Lee Major? What is his name? The actor's yeah. name. I can't think of his name right now, but yes, you know who I'm talking about. The guy that was in Immortus in Loki. Yeah. It sounded like his voice. He was about to touch the and he goes, wait yeah. a minute. <laughs> yeah, and I think that that is probably going to be the correct thing. So, yeah. now that begs the question, right? Because we've got two big multiverse movies that are coming out next year, right? In the Marvel Universe alone. No, one's this year. Spider-Man is, uh, is December. Spider-Man is December? Yes, it is. Wow. Yes, it so is. So we're like weeks away from Spider-Man? Yes, That's when Spider-Man are. got pushed to 2022. Nope. December. When in December? What's the Late, like right before Christmas, I think, actually. Like December 19th, maybe. I don't know, but I just know it's this year, and I will be there dressed in a Spider-Man costume for the first showing of that movie. You can fucking... 
bet your bottom dollar. <laughs> but yeah, no, that that's uh that's this year, and then Doctor Strange is next year. Yeah. So we've got Doctor Strange and so this is No Way Home, right? Mm-hmm. All right, hold on. I want the release date. Let's see. It's definitely December. December, I want to say. 17th? Oh, ninth. Okay, I was close. December 17th. I was close. Wow. Okay. I thought it was not going to be until next year. Well, that was the rumor. I think the internet yeah. fucking took over that one because it was like, oh, where's the trailer? Oh, it must yeah, be getting really pushed to 2022. Well, and I think that that's a good thing because that means that there's so much in it that they don't want to spoil anything. Yeah, I mean, I, like, you know, I, I have this discussion with fucking uh, Tucker and the Rotten Tomatoes fans of the all the time. Like, Tucker doesn't watch trailers anymore. He says he doesn't need them. And as, as it relates to Marvel movies, I'm kind of with him on that one. Like, I, I I don't need a trailer anymore because I, I just have faith that it's going to be good. Yeah. But I also don't like there's always going to be a little something they throw in there for you that I just don't need. I like to go in like fully surprised. surprised. Yeah. Like, I, I know some people that like actively seek out fucking spoilers on the Internet so that they know what's happening when they go into the movie. And I'm like, why? Don't do that. Don't do that. Like I wanted to be surprised when we saw Venom 2. Yeah. Even, even though I could have guessed what the after credit scene yeah, was going to be. Gonna I still wanted to be fucking surprised on how they were going to do it. Just because I know the outcome doesn't mean I don't want to be spoiled on how they get there. That's half the fun. And the same thing with Venom 2, you know, now that blends into the multiverse of madness. Yep. Right? And now this is going to blend in. And will we see... Will we see Immortus? Will we see Loki? Will we see the Black Knight? Will we see, like, in that multiverse of madness... What are the characters that we're going to see? And I yeah. think that it's pretty, that itself is pretty exciting. It's all fucking connected now, and I'm very excited about it. So let's just quickly talk about the things we actually did really like about this movie, because there is a lot to like in this movie. And the thing that I'm going to call out first and foremost is that the, another thing that I will concede on, I had made a comment last week about how it seemed like all of the Eternals had pretty much the same power. Actually, turns out that it's not true. They actually do, for the most part, have a very unique power set. Yeah, among they're all the very characters. different. They are all very, yeah. very different. Like Cersei's ability to just essentially transmute any non-living element into whatever she fucking wants is really cool. Very cool. Um, I, I found uh, uh, so Druig's powers. You know, like essentially mind control was very yeah. cool. Um, Mass Fastos's powers were my favorite, yeah, because they were like, um, like Forge of the X Men, where he can like create anything that he thinks about, except he can just do it instantly. That's part of his powers. He's always got these cool yeah, he's mechanisms. Like an engineer. Yeah. yeah, it's really um, cool. And then, and then the way they did uh, the speedsters' powers were just incredible. Like, yeah, I, it was so nice to see because, because I, I always felt that yeah, the way they did cool. Quicksilver's powers in Age of Ultron fell a little flat. He never felt as fast as he he should have been. Yeah, and the way they did her in Eternals, she felt fast. And yeah, there were right. some really cool scenes, especially when she was fighting Icarus at the end. Some really cool scenes of her using her speed to fight Icarus. It very much felt like the Flash should yeah. be put to screen. Um, you know, and it was one of the cool ways where they could show super speed without doing what they did in um, Age of, or no, excuse me, um, Days of Future Past, which is doing the slow-mo, yes. right? So they yes. didn't need to do the slow-mo in order to show the speed. 
they just showed the speed itself, which was really cool. Very, very cool. Totally agree, because every other time we've seen a live-action speedster on screen, there's always, whether it's Marvel or DC or whoever, there's always a slow-motion element to it. Yeah. And they always, especially DC, overdoes, overdo the slow-motion element. And there was no slow-motion in this. It was just... Fast, 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 fast the entire time. And that was something yeah. I thought was actually really, really well done. And it is a smaller thing, but a very noticeable thing. And I really enjoyed it. And, you know, the, the what I liked, too, is I liked how because everybody had kind of a unique power, they actually did a really good job showcasing how each power was unique and how they used their powers to their advantage to fight. Um, yeah. I thought that was really well done as well. And it made more sense of them being a team because no single one of them could do everything. Yep. They all had these different elements. And big shout out to, uh, and I'm going to butcher his name, but it's it's Kumail um, Nagiani, I believe is his name. Nagiani, Kumail, yeah. yeah. Kumail Nagiani. He played Kingo in this movie. He was also in Stuber and a number of others. Very funny actor. Um, he was, of course, the comic relief in this as well, but I, I really enjoyed every time he was on screen. I very much enjoyed it. I, I really thought that him and his valet and the fact so that he kept good. calling out his his heavy set valet was yep. just great. Um, I thought it really added like a nice, fun element uh, to the movie itself, um, and it broke the seriousness. Yeah, he was great comic. Yeah, relief. and his 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 like. You know what he felt like, though? I have to say, when he... When, so, this is a deep cut for all my DBZ fans. Dragon oh, ba Ball Z oh, baby, fans here we go. Out there. So, he needed to take time to sort of gather energy to shoot his, essentially, fireballs. That's okay. you know kind of what they were. There's this scene in Dragon Ball Z where the Z fighters minus Goku go into the hyperbolic time chamber and they go into this Saiyan world yes. right and they fight the Saiyans now it's it's Krillin it's it's Chaozu Tien and Yamcha and they're training getting ready for Vegeta and Nappa to come anyway so there's this <laughs> scene where Yamcha is like taking a really long time to gather energy mm -hmm. and the Saiyans make fun of him for how long it's taking him <laughs> to gather the energy. And I'm sitting here looking at this guy and I'm like, you're a billion years old. Why does it take you this long to channel a fireball? And like, you're sitting there with the two fingers and like, I was expecting the Yamcha fireball. I was expecting him to like control it. Like I was just waiting for it. I was like, I'm like, oh, he's going to do the thing. He's going to do the Yamcha controlled fireball thing. Uh, no, but he, it was, you know, I, I did like him other than that aspect of his powers. I thought they were cool. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, it felt very like, very much like that scene in Dragon Ball Z where like, it's like, why does it take you so long to generate your power? Like, come on, just shoot a fireball. You're like a superhero. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. No, I, I really liked that. Um, I did like the, um, Yeah. How do we talk about this? Uh, I liked the diversity of the cast. I thought the diversity of the cast was really good. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I thought it was really cool. Um, I thought I, I thought it was it, it was really cool to see some different superheroes put to screen in different ways with different aspects. Um, 
you know, I, I I thought that was that was one of the things that was that was more well done with this yeah. movie. No, totally. The, the the cast was very diverse. Everything about it that that element of it was good. Um, like I said, the the biggest issue with this movie, I think, really falls down. I any 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 issues I had with this movie really fall down to the director, in my opinion. Mm. You know, and Marvel Marvel tried the indie director experiment with John Watts and Spider Man, and it worked out very very well. Yes, they tried the same experiment with Chloe Zhao, and you know, again, Nomadland is a fantastic fucking movie with Francis McDormand, just an absolutely incredible movie. Um, but it's not a movie about fucking uh, eternal space aliens. It's like, not a yeah. three hundred right? million dollar so, film. You know, yeah, you, you can't win them all in this yeah. in this regard, right? So again, not a bad movie. But certainly not a good movie either, especially not yeah. from the standards we're expecting from Marvel. Yeah. Does it open up some interesting plot points for the future of Marvel? Yes, it does, and we're fairly certain that's the only reason this movie was made. So yeah, correct. Go see I, it for yourself. Tell us what you think. Yeah, I, I definitely think that that's the main reason. And if you go into this movie thinking, okay, this really isn't going to be that much of a good movie, it's simply here to just introduce characters that are going to come back in a later time. Then that's you. You'll be pleasantly. Uh, you you you'll you'll be pleasantly surprised. Yeah, don't go in expecting too much. Yeah, don't but... go. Don't expect like a standalone movie that's really cool, and because it's not. Yeah, <laughs> it's not. It's not well done. It's I don't know. It it just definitely not. It is. It it has taken the the title of my least favorite Marvel cinematic movie. A hundred percent agree. Yeah. Yep. I'd rather watch Throw the Dark World. And there was too much. There was too much talk of DC characters. They mentioned Superman. I yeah. think they mentioned Batman at one point. They mentioned one of the other DC characters, and there was just too much of it. Dude, some of the, the a lot of the dialogue was so bland, I wasn't even paying attention. Yeah, to it. Like, and like, uh, come on, like, don't don't call Icarus Superman. We know he's Superman. They even literally put him in fucking blue and red. Yeah, like that's so annoying that they put him in blue and red because he literally had the same like main powers as Superman as. Super strength, super durability, he can fly, and he shoots laser beams out of his eyes. That's pretty much Superman right there. You know, Superman's got a lot of other things that he can do as well, but the main things that people know about him, those are the things. Yeah. And it's like, the fact that they even call it out, like, I think that they were trying to break the fourth wall and be funny, and it just fell flat, and it wasn't good. But anyway, yeah. Let us know what you think. Did you like this movie? Did you not like this movie? Was it very meh for you as well? How did you feel? Let us know. Um, definitely check out some of the other podcasts that we have, Talking Tacos. We've got The Mix. We've got Political Partying. Uh, of course, Cannon Fodder, which our next episode is going to be all based around the 007 universe. Cannot wait Which is going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah it's going to be that'll awesome. That'll be really cool. Um, well, listen, you guys know the drill. Check out everything that's on the network. Uh, the New Jersey Free Blockbuster box at 3BR. Second one coming soon. will be the second one in New Jersey. with the Absolutely. first one now. Um, check out all the other episodes on all of your favorite podcast platforms. Google, Spotify, Apple, wherever the fuck you listen to podcasts. And as always, stay tuned, true reviewers. 